0: Folks, a lot has been going on over the last 24 hours. Patrice Bergeron has signaled his retirement. And suddenly, the need for an elite number one C for a team that is, quite frankly, still trying to compete and remain a Stanley Cup contender has been amplified. And lo and behold, guess who might just have one available on the market? Well, it might be the Winnipeg Jets. And we'll talk about why Shifley to Boston continues to look like a potential possibility and also dive into some other fun stuff from our top 10 biggest offseason rankings from the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at loco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. Doing so, of course, is always completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But more than anything, we just really love and appreciate your support. Tonight's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more and visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Now, like I said at the top of the episode, we've got two main things that I want to focus on tonight. The first is, of course, the changing Mark Shifley market. Now you might be asking yourself, okay, so I just heard that Patrice Bergeron is retiring. How does this really impact the Jets? Well, uh, you know, like I said before, um, probably I don't know, maybe a month ago, it it was kind of becoming apparent that Patrice Bergeron might not be long for the Bruins. You know, he's he spent a, you know a, a pretty good amount of his professional career um, in Boston, and I think you know at this point. He was ready to hang up the skates and and it became clear that he might not be coming back for the next season, which for the Bruins, while, you know, certainly an extremely awesome moment for him to hang up his skates uh, as a lifelong Bruin. and, And certainly I'm sure the fan base adores him and respects his decision in the immediate future. You know, that puts Boston in a really tight spot because let's be real. They don't really have a center after him. You've got like Zacha, and I don't even remember who else is on their like center depth list. Um, yeah, maybe Coil or something. I don't even remember what Coil has been doing these days. But long and short of it is that center depth becomes a real problem immediately. And so for the Bruins, they've got to find an external solution for a first line center. And as it just so happens, the Jets might just have one. I think the biggest problem for this whole trade is that. You know, say the Jets were to send Shifley to Boston. Where, you know, where the sticking point really lies comes in from the return, right? What exactly are the Bruins going to give the Jets that would make us happy? Uh, The reality is there's, there's not a lot, and I think it would probably start with, like, Jeremy Swayman. Swayman is, like, an intriguing young goalie who, if the Jets were to acquire him, might give Winnipeg the impetus to then send Hellebuck to New Jersey, right? Obviously, Jeremy um, is also a restricted free agent, so he's needing a contract extension. I think for Winnipeg, you know, getting a goalie in return for Shifley as one of the main pieces of the deal is, it's okay. I mean, it's not great. Uh, It doesn't really immediately solve Winnipeg's problem of having reduced center depth immediately. So, yeah, not ideal. But if you were to get Swayman and then, I don't know, Trent Frederick and some sort of a pick or something, maybe you could kind of talk yourself into it. I think with the Shifley market increasingly becoming, um, you know, one where the, the offers for a rental haven't exactly been where the Jets have wanted them, it, it does make you wonder if it's really worth moving him out right now or perhaps looking at this more as a trade deadline move. But my guess is, The Bruins are going to be shopping pretty aggressively for a center. There's just no way that they can go into the season with like Pavel Zacha and whoever else is on that roster anchoring your like top six middle, right? That's just not going to really cut it, especially with the Bruins kind of having mortgaged everything on these next couple of seasons. You know, Boston has all of the reason to really chase a, a quality rental center. So I think for that reason, I would not be shocked if the Shifley trade somehow happens. If it does, I kind of feel like Winnipeg would go to New Jersey and maybe look to not only set Hellebuck there, but some sort of a plus that perhaps gets you Dawson Mercer. Mercer would kind of fill in for um, somewhere in like the top six uh, center role. I don't know which line it would be, maybe um, the first or second. My guess is if you were to have the first, it'd probably be like Vlardi up there. Uh, and then the second line is maybe Perfetti or Mercer, down the middle, I know that the Jets are kind of talking about, you know, where Cole Fetty is going to play long term for his career. So, I, you know, obviously there's a lot of options, but I think the Jets mainly want, you know, some immediate impact players. And, you know, I wonder if they'd be willing to pay a little bit more if it kind of helps grease the wheels on this whole trade cycle. Because I think if you're just getting Swayman and like a modest winger or something back, um, you know, it doesn't really make as much sense to trade Shifley. Uh, because then you'd have to kind of trade Hellebuck, right? You can't really go into the season with three goalies of those, you know, of that caliber with Hellebuck, Bersois, and Swayman all on your roster. Winnipeg just wouldn't do it that way. And I'm pretty sure, um, you know, Helle would probably be on the move immediately. So a lot of stuff to mull over. I, I mean, while the market, I do think, has changed pretty significantly in terms of the demand for a 1C, I do also wonder if it's going to be the Jets that actually make. Um, Boston a happier team. I don't really know who else would even suffice to fill that void. You can't replace uh, Bergeron. And the reality is, you know, there's just not many other centers that are either rentals or in Boston's price range that are going to be reasonably good. Shifley is probably one of the most affordable uh, per, per, um, you know, bank for your buck kind of centers out there. And I, I really do think that if he goes to Boston and he plays alongside uh, Posternock, it's going to be lights out. I mean, there's no question for me that Shifley is going to remind people of why he was thought to be one of the best centers in the NHL just a few years ago, um, and it won't even take that long. I think he'll fit in almost immediately, and you know, the reality is the Jets are probably going to be made to look like fools, and people are going to ask, why did you ever trade him, right? So uh, it's a dicey road, but let's hope that the Jets, if they do trade Shifley to the Bruins, get at least a pretty good return coming back because as it is right now, it doesn't seem like uh, despite the demand being there that the actual trade returns are looking all that great. Now, speaking of off season trades locked on did a a ranking of a top 10 most impactful off seasons move list or off season moves list. And uh, let's just say I've had some thoughts on this ranking. Uh, I forgot to vote myself. So apologies, but we'll go into like the top uh, five for each or top five. And then, Uh, the back five and just a little bit and talk about whether these moves are really that much uh, are are really that important and really move the needle or if our network kind of got it wrong but before we go through all of that I do want to shout out our friends and partners at FanDuel take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get up to uh, 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets that is up to 200 dollars That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you will land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. And for those of you who are Jays fans, you might even think about betting who you think is going to finish at the top of the AL East. As an Orioles fan, I could tell you it's going to be the O's. You know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But, you know, whether you're a Jays or an Orioles fan, you can be sure that you're betting on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Hello friends, welcome back to this episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Everyday, thank you so much for rejoining us on tonight's episode of Locked On. Jets, we are just talking about off-season moves and stuff, and you know, the Shifley market has maybe you know moved a little bit. But uh our, our network put out a call and I apparently missed it. But there was a vote for top 10 most impactful off-season moves across the NHL. And I'm gonna tell you right off, in this top 10. The Jets are not featured, and I can tell you I got to disagree um, if the Jets, uh, especially with the acquisition of Gabriel Velarde, uh, how that doesn't rank in the top 10 is is really shocking to me. But let's go through the top 10, uh, starting with the top five. So the first move is going to be Alex it to the Detroit Red Wings. And I don't necessarily take issue with this being in the top five. I don't know that this is necessarily first overall. Um, I think this is obviously a, a quality move for the Red Wings, and based on the price that the Red Wings paid, you know, obviously for the trade package, really good value, right? I don't think the Brinket really cost much more um, than a first and some parts that the the Red Wings probably weren't too upset about uh, moving and exchanging. And in return, they're getting a guy who's a really quality top six scorer, and basically on paper improves the Red Wings scoring output tremendously. Now, I, I guess the question is, does the Brinkett move the needle enough to make the, the Red Wings a real threat? And for me, the answer is no, not yet. That team still, for me, has a, a couple of contracts that I don't really care for. And just in general, is kind of like on the mediocre side, right? You look at that roster and you kind of realize compared to a team like, say, Vegas or maybe even some of the Eastern Conference teams that they'll be going up against, Detroit is still kind of in that mushy middle of mediocrity. Now maybe they surprise us and really go on a run, but I think this year it's going to be a step forward. I, I just can't really see it being that much more than like a step forward um, and and the sign of growth. I feel like DeBrinket is a nice quality boost to a team that you know certainly hasn't had the biggest of uh, uh, offensive jumps over the past couple of years. But I feel like while still really good, he's not quite what you need to push yourself into the elite upper echelons. Now. The second uh, move that has ranked is uh, the Kings getting Pierre-Luc Dubois. So, funny enough, the Velarde trade actually is mentioned, but not exactly in the way that you'd expect. Now, Dubois going in at second overall, I feel like is, is fine in my mind. Um, I, I think, obviously, PLD is probably the biggest offseason acquisition. And, you know, for me, when Dubois is on his game and playing at the elite level that we know he can, We have seen him do stuff that just no one else in the Jets has really been able to attempt, right? He's got that huge, strong frame, a great shot, great hand-eye coordination, excellent stick handling. The guy is immensely skilled. But the question is, when are you going to see that on on a consistent basis? And that is kind of where the sticking point has traditionally been with him. There's zero question that he's an amazing player. It's just you don't really see it enough to... Uh, consistently feel like you're getting the most out of him that you can. And I think towards the end there, when he was kind of ready to call it quits for the Jets, it it just wasn't really uh, noticing him um, on a frequent enough basis for me. I feel like he was there and present, but it was more like I'm just kind of here so I don't get fined. And that's probably not the most uh, fair assessment of his time. I think on the whole, he did some really great stuff for the Jets. And uh, I also feel like at times His reputation was unfair, but you know, towards the end there, there were some moments where I was like, okay, Dubois, I kind of need you to pick it up. But as a a number two ranked um, off season move, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think he could even arguably be the biggest acquisition because of how he now shapes that, that um, LA King center depth. They are going to be a real threat this year and probably a pretty exciting team to watch. Now, coming in at third overall is um, the Carolina Hurricanes signing Dimitri Orlov, and I guess it really depends on what version of Orlov uh, Carolina's getting. As a really quality top-pairing left-handed D with a monster shot, Orlov has been, for me, one of my favorite uh, skaters on the blue line in the NHL over the last few years, and I feel like he really just somehow doesn't really get any sort of recognition. I feel like this is a really big boost to... Carolina's blue line but the thing with Carolina's blue line is that traditionally it has always been good I mean they've, they've not had a ton of weak links so I don't know that this is going to be the move that really pushes them into you know going from being uh, a, a deep playoff run team to a full Stanley Cup winner but I guess if you're trying to load up and really chase after it this is certainly a pretty solid acquisition to make I wish Orlov could have played for the Jets at one point but that is just not happening Now the Toronto Maple Leafs coming at number four signing Tyler Bertuzzi and uh, you know, Bertuzzi for all of his not so great reputation is a pretty effective like middle six winger with, you know, a lot of sand and sandpaper and grit and, you know, offensively he's no slouch. I mean, he's put in some pretty big numbers over the past few years, especially for a guy who traditionally people thought was just kind of a rabble rouser, but turns out he actually has a pretty good knack for getting into tight areas. And, punching the puck past goalies. So I feel like if you're looking at this move in isolation, it's fine. It's been part of this thing where the 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 Maple Leafs are really trying to bring in big personalities with a lot of physicality uh, as if that's kind of what they're missing to put them um, on the path of like a deep playoff run. And I feel like they may be missing why the Leafs have kind of been losing playoff runs. And, you know, I, I just I don't really feel like this is going to be the move to push them over the top, but as an acquisition i mean it's it's okay i'd actually say that the the move that got ranked afterwards is a bigger deal uh dallas has brought in matt Duchesne. and Duchesne, i actually had forgotten and signed for the stars until you know people kept saying oh you know there he is on the list and i'm like oh yeah that that's right that did happen uh Duchesne, you know he got bought out by nashville and then he moves to dallas and i think for the stars he's going to be really quality i think they get an immediate boost to their top six I think he'll slide right in behind Sagan and as like a one, two punch um, for Dallas, which is an aging team and, you know, Duchesne's not going to make them younger, but I think in terms of effectiveness, skill and the ability to be a really solid two way presence down the middle with, you know, game, uh, not game breaking, but certainly a lot of high end playmaking skill. I-, I think that this is a really smart acquisition. I feel like it's surprisingly not been talked about much, Um And I think for the the Jets, it's actually kind of a problem because Dallas is just continuing to get deeper with guys like Pavelski, who's still really good. Robertson, who's amazing. Uh, You've already got Sagan, who's still pretty decent. Ben, who's kind of turned his career around a little bit recently. And now you add Duchesne with a lot of veteran experience and skill down the middle. It's going to make the Stars even more annoying to play against. And Duchesne has developed, surprisingly, some pretty good defensive habits. So uh, I would actually put this one above Bertuzzi. Um, I think that's a really big acquisition, maybe even above the Orlov signing. But there are five more rankings. And, you know, it's, these are where you start getting into even more controversial territory because you're going to realize that somehow Velardi didn't even make this list. We'll dive into who the next five big offseason moves are in just a moment. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, thank you so much for joining us on tonight's show as we are diving into the top 10 biggest offseason moves as ranked by our Locked On Podcast Network colleagues. And like I said, I don't entirely agree with the rankings. Uh, at number six, though, I think this is actually a really good one to call out. It's Tyler DeFoli going going to the Devils. Um, Defoli basically went to New Jersey for peanuts and, you know, for a devil's team that was looking for a quality top six scoring upgrade Tyler for the price that he came out of Calgary was dirt cheap. I'm a huge Defoli fan. I think that he's got so much skill. He's great in transition. He's very crafty in tight spaces and immediately slides into like, you know, their first or second line as a clear upgrade. It's just a really smart move. And honestly, Um, if you're talking about wingers, he probably is one of the biggest ones to get traded um, and acquired. I I would put him probably on par with like the the Brinkett move, and I think it's not really going to be talked about in that way. I think it's going to go under the radar, but I promise you to fully, it's going to light it up for the Devils. After him came Ryan O'Reilly to the Predators. This one, I I just don't really care about as much. I mean, O'Reilly a few years ago would have been a very different story, right? Moving to the Preds, he'd make them you know, significantly better down the middle uh, would probably slide into their first line almost immediately. He might still at this rate because like Nashville's depth is really poor right now. But in terms of actually moving the needle, I think at this stage of his career, probably not. I think O'Reilly is an all right enough player, but you know, age is catching up, and I think his ability to be that you know dominant center uh, in in both defensive work and offensively, I think those days are probably done. Coming at at number eight is kind of an interesting one because this one is a really big gamble signing from uh, Colorado, but it's it's the Ryan Johansson move. Um, this trade, I, I mean, Johansson, I guess you're betting on him, you know, A, staying healthy and B, still having something left in, in the tank. I don't know if Johansson is really going to be that much of a needle mover for the Avs. I feel like he does give them um, a quality middle six center, and I know that that sounds crazy to say middle six, but Based on where Johansson is at, at the stage of his career, I just don't know if he's going to be much more than that. I think if you put him on your second line, that's probably where you want to cap it. I don't know if he can do um, you know, much more than that. Certainly, I would not ask him to play on the first line. Anyways, they've got McKinnon, so that wouldn't really even be a consideration. But second or third line duty probably makes more sense. At number nine, you've got Carolina signing Michael Bunting. Bunting is, again, like a fine enough middle six um, attacker. You know, I think he really carved a name out for himself with uh, Toronto and Arizona. And I think, uh, you know, the reputation has been certainly impressive. But I feel like bunting for me, it's just it's the kind of signing where he does improve Carolina technically. But I feel like where the Canes really want to add is an elite finishing and bunting doesn't necessarily fix that. But again, you know, if you're trying to make small, modest gains around the roster at prices you can afford, it, it could be worse. Now, the final ranking kind of caught me off guard. It was Ryan Graves to the Penguins, and obviously he did sign a pretty expensive contract. I just don't really know why this one really made the list and why Gabriel Velarde somehow didn't. Uh, For me, Velarde should have been well over most of this list. I'd actually say that he'd probably um, be up there in the top three biggest acquisitions. I feel like for some reason the Locked On group just maybe either missed or, or, or didn't really realize just how good Villardi is. And that is kind of going to be a big thing, I think for the jets and maybe why this two year deal that he signed is not going to end well for Winnipeg. Uh, Cause my guess is if he does play this out, he's going to look like a superstar center. I'm really excited for Villardi. I am again, I'm shocked that Graves made the cut, but somehow, somehow didn't. Uh, I, I think that that is a big miss. Um, And I think Velarde would probably, for me, again, like I said, slide into the top three. You know, you could argue that if you had Dubois at first, Velarde should probably come at number two and then maybe to bring it. You know, that's like a, a pretty solid top three move. But for all of these acquisitions, you do kind of think about it and you wonder how many of these teams have actually really gotten better. Dallas, I think you have a pretty fair argument for. Carolina, probably. L.A. is questionable. It does help them consolidate contracts, but in terms of actually taking that next step forward, I don't know yet. We'll see. Uh, For the Jets, I think what they got back in return for Dubois easily upgrades the team. I think there's zero question that Winnipeg's forward grouping got better. So if you're a Jets fan, you are loving life. But let me know, based on what you've heard here uh, with these rankings, how you might arrange them. Any other big off-season moves that you think are worth shouting out in the top 10, drop your thoughts below in the comments section or at my social medias, at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. But for tonight's episode, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. We will see you back here tomorrow with more off-season coverage, so don't go anywhere. Like, follow, and subscribe. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.